Young, 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 young Thomas. Michael, the man, the myth, the legend. Buddy, we're going to talk about shrimp. In the past, you've told me that the lovely Karen is allergic to it, and you're kind of 50-50, right? Why are we talking about shrimp? Because I got a story for you. You got a story for me? (laughs) I got a story about shrimp. Now, I love me some shrimps. When I go to a cocktail party or dinner party, before they serve the food, they usually have a, a little banquet out there with the shrimp and some carrots and celery with dip. And you and like I, to hang out with the bottom feeders, do you? I will eat 30 shrimp before I leave that little place. Obviously, you're not Jewish. <laughs> no. Why, you can't eat shrimp if you're Jewish? No, shellfish, off limits. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, because they're bottom some- feeders. <laughs> but I, I could eat 30 just with a blink of an eye. I love me some shrimp. But anyway, in England, for some reason, it didn't say exactly why they did this, and they found out that every shrimp had traces of cocaine in it. Cocaine? I would have thought cocktail sauce, wouldn't you? <laughs> really? Now, the researchers pointed out quickly that the cocaine was not enough to, you know, make them stoned or affect a person eating it. But it was kind of interesting that all of them, all 15 locations, had cocaine in it. What do you think that happens? All 15 locations had cocaine? What do you mean? All 15 locations where they picked shrimp out of the water had cocaine, not just one, all 15. Okay. That's kind of weird, isn't it? I guess there's a lot of cocaine in them there, oceans. That's why they call it the high seas. <laughs> you ever tried to snort a shrimp? Have I ever tried to snort a shrimp? Yeah, have you? No, but it sounds like it could it, be painful. It would. That claw sticks out of the nostril. Yeah. Right? You know what's so disgusting about shrimp? What's that? Have you ever eaten one and it hadn't been deveined? Or you don't care because you're Bubba Mike, right? Because I'm a Pollock that loves that stuff. You like that stuff, really? (laughs) No, I don't. What do they call it? Shrimp gizzards, right? Ooh. Yeah. Well, think about how ugly they look, but yet they're so delicious. Mm. Well, to some of us. Yeah, I only like them certain ways. Now, this cocaine and all these shrimp, it means we're going to have a new phrase now. People are getting high on shrimp. They're going to call it getting shelled. Shelled. Yes. And shrimp taking drugs are putting us all in peril. How shellfish can they get, right? How shellfish can they get? You know, I always wondered why goldfish had those big eyes. Now we know why, don't they? Big googly shrimp eyes. They're eyeing those shrimps. A little known fact. This is how blowfish got their name. No. Yes. You ever eat a blowfish? (laughs) Well, I wouldn't be talking to you right now, would I? No, you wouldn't. Uh, all fish who eventually get hooked, don't they? They do. Hooked. They get hooked. They definitely get hooked. <laughs> or scooped up in a net. Go back in time and think about the first person who looked at a shrimp and said, hmm, I bet that tastes good. They kind of do look like cockroaches, don't they? You're damn right they do. Yeah. But look at lobsters. They're like big cockroaches. and You love them, don't you? I, I do enjoy a good lobster every once in a while. As long as it's not screaming in the pot. Not kind of lovely carrying imbibe in the no, lobster? of course not. She can't eat lobster either? Anything it's shell? It's a shellfish. Oh. Hello, don't you know what shellfish is? <laughs> I guess I do McFly. now. McFly! I guess I do now. Oh, you're so mean to me. I'm sorry. All right. You know I love you. Yeah, you know. And, and I mean that from the heart of my body. Sometimes when people tell you that all the time, it's just the opposite, I think. No. Yeah. No, not me. It's like saying when you're tough, you're tough, you're tough, and then you're a little weakling, right? That's right. Or like saying I'm really, really rich, and you find out <laughs> just the opposite. Tom and Mike. Now, look, both of us are not social media people, are we? No. 
and we don't tweet, we don't do Facebook and stuff like well, that. Well, I've been doing a little bit of Facebook, okay. but I hate it. And and I knew I would hate it, and I don't think I'm going to be back for a while. Well, this woman the other day had a throwaway line on one of her tweets, and she said, nothing sexier than a man in dirty work gear. Okay. That was her tweet. Okay. It prompted hundreds and hundreds of men to send back pictures of a guy like in a supermarket bakery with a hairnet a butcher with blood all over his apron, oil workers with black goo, and one guy in paint-stained overalls in a bare chest. She got hundreds of them. So it got me thinking, what are the dirtiest jobs out there? Well, tell us. Well, let me ask you, what do you think are some of the dirtiest jobs? I would think being a mortician would be up there. Not in the top 10. No. What's the number one, do you think? Number one dirtiest job out there. A sewer plant? You got it, buddy. Really? A sewer inspector getting down there and cleaning that stuff out. Oh, boy. That is what we call a real (laughs) job. (laughs) You can't say that, can you? I think I just did. They do have the bleep here on this station. Oh, okay. Good man. Good man. Number two is something called a pig slop processor. When you go to feed pigs, I guess you have to pick out all the glass and plastic and stuff, and you have to sort through all that stuff. And that's what a pig slop pr- processor is. What about this? What about an exterminator? That's not on the top 10. No. I'm sure it's up there, though. Okay. A bloodworm hunter, a seal coder, meaning like when you do your driveway. Yeah. A crime scene cleaner. Now, I understand that one, don't you? Yeah, that's a nasty job. It is a nasty job. A meat processor, somebody who makes biodegradable flower pot makers out of cow manure. Now, that's mm. a real narrow cast there, but. Okay, it's on the list. <laughs> How about your animal skull processor? Yeah, not good. What do they I, have to do? Uh, they have to take off all the skin and everything, and all, you have, all that's left is the skull. They have to scoop out the, the brains and all that. Yeah. So, And then what happens? Uh, oh, that becomes sausage. <laughs> or as you say from your hometown in Philadelphia, what do they call that? Scrapple? Scrapple, baby. Or spam. Okay. Number nine was animal castrator. I guess that's self-explanatory. Oh, yeah. And that doesn't go to waste either. Yeah. I wanted to see what Mike Rowe might have to say. You know what a couple of his worst ones were? What? A horse inseminator, where you have to take the sperm out of a horse and put it in a female horse. Oh, boy. So exactly. <laughs> no, I don't want to know that. <laughs> All right, don't go there. There was something called a chicken sexer. I never knew about this. When a baby chick is born, you have to find out in the first 24 hours whether it's a man or a woman. And so they have to look in its hiney and find out what it is. And that's, I guess, a dirty job, right? Oh, my gosh. I let karma do my dirty work. That's what I do, pal. Karma? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. (laughs) Because, you know, you plan enough bad things, they're going to come back to you, and it's going to be nasty. Nasty! Nasty, baby. Just like our podcast, right? Yeah. What's this world coming to dot com? Tom and Mike. Now, Thomas... When you get old and retire one day, let's say you're in your 70s. Let's say one day when you'll be 71, what do you plan on be doing? At some point in time, you have to start spending your money. (laughs) You're doing that now, pal. Yeah, that's the problem. (laughs) All the money that I don't have, I'm spending now. But when you're 71, do you see yourself sitting by the pool, reading a good book? Do you plan on taking trips? Just kicking back, right? You worked hard all your life. Yeah, but I never really pined for that day because I enjoy my work and I don't really want to stop. Well, let me tell you why I'm bringing this up. There's a Frenchman who's 71 years old and he just completed an incredible feat. 
he floated across the Atlantic in a giant barrel. What? <laughs> the barrel was 10 feet tall. Now, it wasn't a, like a regular wine barrel. It, was a, it looked like a barrel, but it had like sleeping inside and he had radio and everything like that. And but lots went, of Dramamine. Lots of Dramamine. It went two miles an hour with no engine or sails. It relied solely on the wind and ocean currents. Now, take a guess. How long do you think it took him across the Atlantic? A year? 128 days. He must have caught some good waves. Oh, wow. He said he passed the time inside the barrel by watching fish through a porthole. (laughs) (laughs) I I guess when he comes home, that aquarium ain't going to cut it, is it? No. He described his journey as crossing during which man isn't captain of a ship, but a passenger on the ocean. At two miles an hour, I think Jesus- Now, wait a minute. How did he survive again? Well, he caught fish. He had food stored in the cabin, in the barrel- and he had plenty of water, and he had a system where he can make salt water into regular water. He said he caught fish during the trip. I don't say he didn't say how he caught them. I'm guessing torpedoes. How do you think? <laughs> well, yeah. Or maybe the cunning use of a fresh baguette. Mm, you know those French baguettes are pretty good, aren't they? Mm, love those French baguettes. He says his only close call in the 128 days. He was capsized by a giant cargo ship, but luckily he shot a flare off. And it missed him. How about that? Oh, wow. Yeah, that would do you in real quick. His name is Jean-Jacques. Jean-Jacques. You know Jean-Jacques. They, but you know what the friends call him now? What? Bob. Bob? Because <laughs> hey, he's bobbing up. That's right, there. buddy. I got that. Uh, so, I don't know. It's, isn't it strange what people do for a hobby? Yeah. He's just really got too much time on his hands. <laughs> yes, he does. He never should have retired. That's what he I looked at fish through the porthole to kill time. Oh, gosh. That sounds like... The most boring life ever. So I'm assuming he ate all these fish raw. You can't really cook anything. There, I don't right? know. They didn't say if he had a hot plate or anything like that. But uh, Hot plate. Just plug that baby right in. <laughs> right in. Tom and Mike. Do you believe in coincidence or do you think everything happens for a reason? I don't believe in coincidence and I do believe everything happens for a reason. You don't believe in coincidence? Not really. Okay. Well, a guy just wrote a book called Beyond Coincidence and it provides insight and the seamless, inexplicable events that occur that baffle many people in the world. Like the last election? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that was. <laughs> people don't know if it's a mystery or mathematics. And he points out four examples in the uh, publication of this book to promote it. Listen to this. Four old women are playing bridge, okay? Two Corinthians go into a bar. <laughs> yeah, right. Four old women are playing bridge. I've never played bridge, but the first woman's dealt... 13 cards, and all the cards are clubs. The next woman is dealt all diamonds, the third one, all hearts, and the fourth, all spades. Now, is that a coincidence, or is that just like, that's a million to one, pal? Right. What do you call that? Yeah, I think that's probably chance. (laughs) Now, a second story, a 10-year-old girl named Laura. Okay, you're making the case against me here. You know (laughs) A 10-year-old girl named Laura in England had a little one of those baggage claim stickers where you write your name on it. She attached it to a helium balloon. Okay. It it flew 144 miles, landed in a garden to another 10-year-old girl named Laura who also owned a black lab, a guinea pig, and a rabbit just like the first one. What do you explain to that, pal, huh? Yeah, now you're making the case the other way. (laughs) So I guess there could be situations of both. It's not like black and white on either side, right? Yep. A golfer watched his perfect drive collide midair with another ball. The two men had introduced themselves, and they were both named Kevin O'Brien. I don't know if that's a coincidence, but it's kind of spooky, isn't it? 
It is. And I'm not sure I totally buy that. <laughs> Are we doing fake news, not fake news? No, this is all in this guy's book, Beyond Coincidence. This widower of three years was given a gift by his daughter after three years of his wife being gone. It was a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle. The picture was of a paddle boat steamer where he and his wife would engage in many holidays. As he placed one of the last pieces into the picture, it was a figure in a wheelchair on the boat, and he saw it was his wife. Ooh. <laughs> I know a guy who shares his birthday with his twin brother. Is that a coincidence? What are the odds of that? Yeah, right. You know, maybe coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. How about that? Because, you know, if he came down from the clouds and said, hey, Mike, (laughs) you would have the big one, right? Do you know awesome ends in me? Is that coincidence? I think not. Tom and Mike. You've never been to Russia, have you? No. How about you? No, but there are some wacky people over there. But you usually think that anything goes over there. Well, this story says just the opposite. There was outrage at a recent basketball game in some pro league, super pro league in St. Petersburg, where during one of the timeouts, the cheerleaders came out to perform a strip tease in front of kids at this basketball game. They were wearing minuscule underwear and platform stilettos. Some of the girls were spotted in nude thong bodysuits, and the rest wore black French underwear and a bra. Do you ever think about male cheerleaders? I never, ever think about male cheerleaders. I don't know if this is actually a cheerleader, but there's a little Catholic school named St. Joe's in Philadelphia. You ever hear of it? Yeah. You bury it underneath your property if you want to sell your property, right? <laughs> you didn't know that? You didn't no. know about the legend of St. Joe's? No. Yeah, that's true. Realtors swear by it. I bring all kinds of informative information <laughs> to the table here. By the way, people, if you're looking to sell a piece of property... I highly recommend it. Google it, Michael. St. Joseph's. Their mascot is the hawk. And to become the St. Joseph hawk, every guy that becomes that hawk, they have to do one thing. They have to keep their wings flapping throughout the entire game. You know, a basketball game can be two and a half hours, and they can't be seen not flapping their wings. So if you ever watch a St. Joe basketball game, and they show a camera shot of the the hawk, he's always flapping his wings. Are they in costume? Yep, he's in full costume. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Where's Michael Keaton when you need him most, you know? Right. Birdman. Birdman. Right. Remember they have ESPN cheerleading competitions on on the shows? Well, well why are you watching cheerleading competitions? <laughs> I That's like what I, I want to know. I used to, I used to flick. You used to flick? You know, I used to flick, you know, through the different channels. And every now and then you catch ESPN cheerleading competition and you'd stay on it for oh, a couple Oh, flick. Minutes. Yeah. We call it channel surfing. Oh, do you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, well. Flick. You know, that's something you do when you're sitting at the traffic light playing with your nose. <laughs> Tom and Mike. But we can agree that funerals aren't the best thing to go to, are they? No. As a matter of fact, my son right now, we're having a big debate. One of his best friends passed away. Oh, really? Yeah. And he doesn't want to go to the funeral. and Because he's too sad or? Yeah. You know, he's worried that he's going to see an open casket. Oh. And, you know, it's not the way he wants to remember his friend. I totally understand that. You know, funerals are for the families. Right. You know, it offers them comfort. I've tried to get through to him, but he just won't hear of it. He, he doesn't want to go. I, I'm so disappointed. Right. Well, you know, other than that, they can be, you know, a pain in the ass sometimes. You have to get a black suit. You have to listen through all these eulogies, sometimes boring ones from the minister. You can't find parking. Come on. Do you think that's the worst of it? No, I'm just saying there's some people find that way. Oh I don't find gosh. it that way. 
That's so selfish. I'm well, not saying about you, but you're right. If some people actually don't want to go to pay their respects because they have to be inconvenienced, what's this world coming to? Well, there must be a lot of people that feel that way because it all started in Ocala, Florida about 10 years ago. They had the first drive through funeral parlor. And now it's spread to almost every state where there are now hundreds of them where people can just drive by, look in the window, and drive out. <laughs> what do you think about that? That is weird. <laughs> and what's the point of that? I don't know. I mean, the family's not going to really get any benefit. No. Also, if you have little respect that you can't even get out of your car and go to the funeral, I mean, why even do that, right? Right. You know, the whole purpose of a funeral, they say, is to offer closure to everybody, right? Right. But my point is, more importantly, it's to give comfort and solace and support for the families. Sure. And my son's argument to that is I didn't really know the family. Okay, it doesn't really matter, right? Yeah. You come up, you introduce yourself. I was good friends with Joey, and, you know, I'm really sorry for your loss. And nobody ever knows what to say in those situations. You never do. But sure. You just muddle through it, and you feel like a schmuck if you don't at least do that. And I'm telling him, because, you know, he's young. He doesn't really have any experience with this kind of thing. So he'll learn, right? He's definitely not going. That's what he says. Well, maybe he'll change his mind. Yeah. You know, we're getting so lazy as a country that, you know, how soon before we have toilets installed in our cars, right? Now, is this a new story? No, no, no. I mean, you can't get out to pay a respect to your funeral and oh, just drive by. I see what you're saying. I thought maybe there that was a new idea <laughs> for cars. I mean, they're coming up with everything else, right? Pretty soon you'll go to the funeral and then there'll be the next stop. You get a burger and fries at the next window, right? There you go. You know... There's a couple of things I never heard about. Do you know drivers can get married without leaving their car called the Tunnel of Love in Vegas? Right. And there's a drive-through daiquiris in New Orleans, Louisiana. Drive-through daiquiris? Yeah, you get a daiquiri. You don't have to stop. You just get like a window. Drive-through. I like that one. Drinking and driving? Well, I guess maybe you take it home with you. I don't know. They're not cops. That sounds like a really bad idea. Is it? Yeah. Well... I think drive-through windows for funerals are a bad idea, but we got them in this country, pal. You, you know, years ago, the drive-through grocery idea was big until people started driving through, you know, picking up alcohol and drinking and driving. It never caught on. No, because of that, you know, it's just never a good idea to mix the two. You didn't know that? No, I never did. I learned something every day on this show. Wow. Tom and Mike.